0: Hi, this is Stephanie James. This is Melissa Lamb, and, and you're, you're listening, listening to Topa Talk. Talk. Hello, listeners. Welcome. Today we are back with Jen and John of Beacon Coffee. What are we doing today? Good morning. Good morning. Good <laughs> oh, morning. Yeah. Good morning. First Hello. Off, yeah, it is. It's <laughs>
1: early. It's well. It's not super. early. Oh no. This but. is early. <laughs>
2: This oh, is early. yeah, it's Melissa's Sunday. It's Sunday before 10. <laughs> and yes. And we're here cupping coffee from one of our favorite farms in El Salvador.
1: Which farm is that? Uh, La Siberia. So okay. And what we're cupping today is all from the same farm, three different samples. Um, it's all the same varietal, but they've been finished three different ways. So we're going to taste all of that Amazing. and talk about... Okay. S- yeah what is cupping because as
3: far as i know cupping is like where you go and you like get all these big bruises on your body (laughs) and they like cup your skin not what we're doing not what we're doing today (laughs) what we're doing today we're (laughs) cupping coffee is
0: it just like a form of tasting and evaluating
1: coffee exactly It's, it's evaluating uh for quality um this is how we um this is how we decide uh if we're going to buy a coffee um when we're at origin we cup tons of coffee it's just a it's a way to taste the coffee um and like in its most pure form Uh, in a
2: in a formal sense cupping is an it's an Mm -hmm. that's our timer telling us that it's time to proceed with our cupping oh my
0: gosh (laughs) we can
2: take a few minutes and just uh describe cuppings it's an international protocol for evaluating the quality of uh, gr- of of coffee samples okay M- mainly for purchase but we also conduct cuppings uh, on an educational level for the public and we also utilize cuppings as internal quality control each week while we're roasting to make sure we're getting the most out of each coffee
3: let's talk about the process right now we have three cups in front of us what did you do how did you prep us and then maybe we, so can we try have them. 12
2: grams of medium fine grind coffee of each of our three different coffee samples in front of us and we've introduced about 180 grams of water just off the boil uh, the timer that we just heard going off is letting us know that it's time to proceed with breaking the crust of coffee that's floating on top so if you're listening what you should be picturing is kind of a cowboy cup of coffee where all of the grinds in the water are mixed together and there's a crust on top of the coffee we're about to use some soup spoons basically and we're gonna break that crust and allow a little bit of carbon dioxide that's trapped underneath the crust of coffee to escape attached to that carbon dioxide are some really soft botanicals and this will be our only opportunity this is kind of our first introduction to the coffee. And then while you all talk to Jen, I'm going to sneak around and I'll skim everything off the cup that isn't going to sink all the way to the bottom. And then we'll proceed with the next where we do everything that our mom told us not to do with soup spoons.
3: Okay. <laughs> so but we can break it. We're going to try we're it right now. ready to break now. So okay.
2: w- the first thing we're going to do is get um, our soup spoons wet, our cupping spoons wet, so okay. that as little of the grinds stick to it as possible. And uh, we want to exhale on our way down so that we can inhale as we break the crest. So oh, I'll demonstrate. Can you, yeah, yeah, can you do a demonstrate. Little line. I'll demonstrate, I'll demonstrate. And then Perfect.
0: Because okay. I'm terrified. I'm so scared. Like, I'm going to do this wrong. Oh, you just, like, push it back.
2: Exactly. So uh, this is...
3: Jen just, p- yeah, Jen is sorry. pushing around the coffee with and her spoon, and she's smelling it.
0: And we'll just go down the line.
1: Correct. Rinsing your spoon in between. Okay, Always. I, I'm going to dive between in. Cups. cups. Is Go that for okay? It. Yes, a hundred percent.
3: So, John, why four minutes? You set a four-minute timer before when you poured the water in.
2: Uh, b- ostensibly, we're just waiting. Uh, four minutes is a universal steep time for this grind size and the amount of water and coffee <coughs> ratio together. Reaches super saturated solution basically. And
3: Jen, did, is there a certain temperature for the water that's necessary for this process?
1: Um, yeah, 200 is, is definitely the goal temperature. Um, and so when you're down there, you wanna get your nose so close that you're probably gonna get grounds on it.
0: <laughs> they all smell so different
1: to me. It's, it's pretty amazing because they're all grown on the same farm same varietal, it's just that last step of how they were finished.
0: How big is this farm? Um, like, is the terroir, like, different across, or is it, like, pretty consistent? The like, do all
2: The farm is basically, um, it's the ridgeline of one of the highest mountain ranges in the highlands of El Salvador. And so the farm goes from the ridgeline down... So really the top of the farm tops out at about 1,900 meters mm-hmm. and the bottom blocks on the farm are at 1,600 meters, which okay. is still phenomenally high for, for coffee. So the coffee grown on Siberia is very, very dense, but it's literally the side of a mountain.
0: Yeah, that must be hard to harvest. Um, are they like strapped in? No. no. Okay. no. So they're, they're a f- free solo. What's that mean? Yeah. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yes. No. <laughs> they're Alex haunting it.
2: No. Yes. <laughs> it's scary. Um, that's uh, That brings up a, a phenomenal point about um, ha- the inequality in the amount of work that it takes to harvest coffee, mm-hmm. particularly in the most appropriate areas of the world where coffee is grown. So okay. coffee grows between the tropics and it grows at altitude in excess of 14 to about 2,000 meters Mm -hmm. uh, for the type of specialty coffee that we're interested in. So (coughs) that's always happening on the side of a hill and sometimes in the middle of a rainforest on the side of a mountain. So it's phenomenally laborious in order to do it. It takes skilled labor, and (coughs) most of the labor that's picking the crop in Latin America is an amalgamation of different native nomadic tribes amazonian tribes ostensibly that follow the harvest from the south all the way to the north and then make their way back down picking other uh seasonal crops
0: is this a thing too where it's just so ingrained in like who they are as a culture that like they're just so skilled at it like it just is passed down generation to generation it would take us years to like fully
2: that's a uh, um the way the appropriate way to handle the fruit when it comes off the tree without damaging it for the next year's harvest is certainly something that you see multiple generations of people learning only if if for no other reason out of socioeconomic necessity that if moms and dads are picking coffee then that means that niñas are right next to them right and so kids grow up next to their parents following this migration, basically following the harvest f- from Brazil all the way north to through Colombia up into the Central American Peninsula. Um,
3: and is that kind of almost, I don't know the right word for it, I guess, but not like a trap, but it's like, so then that's what you learn and that's what you know and that's almost your only skill set and that's well, why you get stuck so in an industry that's like... There's, <coughs>
2: um, there's good things and bad things happening in the coffee industry um, and one of the challenges in the coffee industry right now happens to be that everybody's having a hard time finding skilled picking crews.
0: So Um, Because
3: um, of pay?
2: um, Partly because of pay, partly because um, large portions of NAFTA did actually work, and wages did actually rise in lots of parts. Um, Part of it is that in the Northern Triangle you have so much violence and factionism happening that the tribes can't safely migrate with the harvest. Uh, It's not just a single one problem. (coughs) Right, yeah, that's usually um, how it goes. (laughs) You know, uh, it isn't because they can't get H1 or H2 visas to come up here and and pick in our Central Valley, um, but The same thing's happening ostensibly. There are all kinds of roadblocks that are keeping these people from being able to migrate with the harvest. Um, Not the least of which is that in some of their home countries, their tribes are running out of their own native land Mm -hmm. and um, they're being forced into the cities and off of their tribal land and they can't continue to, to, um, to follow the coffee harvest anymore.
0: So why is this your favorite I mean you guys visit a lot of farms so what makes this one stand out
2: um, a large part of it has to do with the family that owns the farm and the mm-hmm. mill uh, Carmen and Rafael Silva are uh, just they're phenomenal people but they're they're fourth-generation yeah. coffee farmers in okay. El Salvador <clears throat> and the coffees that they produce are They're they're world-class coffees, but the way that they approach it from their farms all the way through their milling operations is so holistic. They they do not utilize um, any municipal water in the wet milling operation of their coffee, which is a very hard thing to do while you're trying to produce world-class coffee. Um, So they use rainwater collection only in their mill, which is Dang. a really great introduction into why the three different lots of Siberia, Bourbon in front of us were produced the way that they were. So what we Bourbon
0: in the is the varietal?
2: Bourbon is the individual varietal okay. of Arabica coffee. It's an heirloom varietal. So uh, in your mind's eye, if you just said, okay, we can take Bourbon and we can, we can actually trace that all the way back to Ethiopia uh, where it would grow native okay uh so um hmm. it is hybridized in in the latin american growing world however uh in el salvador bourbon is king it's it's ev- nobody ever it's like
0: cabernet sauvignon in napa valley or mm.
2: pinot in santa barbara great nobody wants Got it it's everybody who want everybody who's serious about what they're doing this is what they this is what they grow this is what they cultivate
3: can we talk about what we smelled because yeah, yeah, we let's just do smelled it. the coffee. Yes, mm-hmm. um, I felt like I picked up like a lot of Indian spices. Like the first one to me smelled like curry. I don't know if my nose is off, but like I mean, I don't know what I'm smelling, but mm. I just got like a lot of like spices or something from it. I
0: get more like
3: chocolatey.
0: That's probably what you're
3: supposed flavors. to be smelling.
0: But uh, well, it's your own personal. Yeah, yeah there are well no I wrong I, I smelt it
3: more when it was like the coffee beans were on top. It was super fragrant. To me, with the that. second that
0: one had the most like sweetness, like honeyed character mm-hmm. to it. Um, I don't know. That one was like pretty, pretty s- like I don't know if sweet is the best term for describing coffee. But well, let's yeah. get
2: into tasting it. So, okay. moving from our left cup on the left, so far left, we mm-hmm. have the Bourbon prepared as a semi-washed coffee. In the middle, we have the bourbon prepared as a yellow honey. And on the right-hand <laughs> side, we have the coffee prepared as a glazed coffee. Glazed. And we'll talk about that. Yeah, we got to know what that is. Well, there's only mm-hmm. one place in the world mm-hmm. where you can get it and because they, they, uh, they created this process uh, at the mill. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. It's very so new. So this is, this is what we're doing. Um, I think that I can actually take my samples and, and do it right into the microphone for you.
0: So we, like, rinsed yes. our spoon in the water. Always and rinse. And we're going to take,
2: and then we're going to slurp.
0: <laughs> oh, whoa. Like, uh, Mom, Jen, you do it, because I, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't watching. I'm scared.
1: So you're going to put maybe, like, a nickel <laughs> or a quarter size of the coffee onto the a spoon? A nipple size? Nickel. Oh, oh okay. <laughs>
3: Melissa's got nipple on the brain. Hello.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. And then put your lips on the edge and inhale.
3: Yeah, I like that You could do a little. Ba- you gotta have a little bounce in it.
0: Wow, yeah. We're both really slow. <laughs> what I did a
1: that's good okay. job. It you a did a job. It takes a little okay, bit. You
0: did
3: a good job. It takes a little bit. Okay, I'm gonna nail this right now. Okay, okay. You said something about your breathing, though. You said, you. I remember hearing you something. Oh, about that's
2: more about when you're breaking the crust, but oh, I think okay. it's a little easier to, you know. Um, Okay. to not be out You guys, of listen to this slurp.
3: I'm about to, this I'm, about to I'm about to hit this hard. ASMR. I'm about to hit this coffee so hard.
1: Yeah, that was great. Boom.
3: Okay, then John that just shows great. me up.
1: I
0: think I'm more concerned about technique and I'm not actually tasting. Oh, yeah, I haven't even tasted it. I'm just over here having fun. So, um.
1: so the idea is to basically, when you're, when you're like slurping it up, you want to um, s- basically try to spray it. Across your palate so you're just you're hitting all of the areas of your is this mouth. the
3: version of like when you wine taste you like gurgle it around is that like what this is
2: <laughs> yes um and w- the idea being that, that when, that when you slurp in it and it sprays over your palate then you I have thought you did a good if job. it lands on your palate at the same time then you have the ability to tell where on your palate the coffee is activating so if it's hitting the outsides of your tongue the way that citrus would then you have a good indication of where the level of acidity might be in the coffee. I think this trained one has, palette.
0: is this one high in acidity, the first one?
2: It's probably higher in acidity, okay. yes.
0: yeah. But not considered like mm-hmm. it high. It wouldn't be, right. Mm-hmm. So let's walk through a little bit. Can we bit. talk
3: about how I'm the only one without a trained palate in this room? You guys are talking nonsense.
0: <laughs> 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 All right, John, go for it. What were you going to say? Well, Sorry I just wanted <laughs> to ask,
2: was it a yellow curry or a green curry?
3: I would say yellow. <laughs>
2: yellow curry.
0: Is that
3: okay? It's unacceptable. I must it's leave now.
0: <laughs> to <laughs> be honest, I feel like they all smelled very distinct to me, but on the palate, I'm having a harder time Oh, Are we, we tasting all of them now? Yes. Mm-hmm. So okay. I just, r- I just right keep slurping up the first one. <laughs>
2: go, yes, go left to right. And the quicker that you move between the th- – the the samples the more your palate has the uh, ability to differentiate the nuanced difference between them
1: make sure you're rinsing your spoon in between each time
3: okay my favorite is oh do we talk favorites yet
0: Mm
1: -mm. normally when when john and i are um cupping coffee at origin we'll we'll pass through a table several times and when we're cupping coffee with other people, normally we wouldn't even talk about what our impressions are, what we're tasting, um, as to, you know, for, I think, obvious reasons, not to influence anyone. Of course. And, you yeah. know, say, like, I taste this, and, and then they, you know. And then that's all of a sudden they taste, yeah.
2: But so. also we're, we're traveling. I mean, I love the friends that we travel with, but let's face it, if I'm in Colombia and there's 25 samples on the table, and Jen and I are like,
3: yeah so you better be (laughs) quiet about it you're like oh number four uh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) try to play it cool yeah but jen Uh, and
2: i also we won't speak until probably the second round or the mm -hmm. third round through a table Mm -hmm. so that we have independence and then uh, we usually say what's no and so we we eliminate Mm -hmm. what we are not interested in on the table and then we revisit everything that isn't there and we try to choose top two top three do you ever
3: like completely disagree like do you ever have something that's you know, a no, and then John is like, "Wait, why are you saying that's really a no
1: often mm-hmm. and more often than not, um like our favorites are always the same oh, I think nice. we really enjoy certain types of coffee and certain things in coffee like I really love bright juicy coffees um, so those are always the ones that kind of like stand out on the table for me um,
2: we've also um been bringing a whole customer base along the journey now for 10 years so they expect something
0: from you well
2: so part of uh, part of what we have to be attuned to when we're at origin uh, is we're always the first priority is always to buy a beautiful coffee that was farmed responsibly uh preferably from someone that we have a relationship with or that we're going to have an opportunity to have a relationship with but the other part of it too is we've learned that you can't start everybody off with a 68 bordeaux yeah right and so we've also we jen and i know what we like and we certainly buy plenty of grand crew
0: mm-hmm. like
2: 68 bordeaux's every year but we also have to buy a lot of coffee that w- that we know are beautiful coffees but that are really approachable and that, you know, so we can service you this
0: Yeah, you have to have diversity in what you're, mm-hmm. you're How did offering you to a certain extent. How did you
3: pick the coffee for us today?
2: Um, so Carmen and Rafael, you don't get the coffee unless you get on a plane and go to El Salvador and, and go and you stay with the family. And uh, they have a beautiful cupping lab and it's right at the mill. And... Um, so we cup coffee with, uh, with the family and um, with our friends at La Manita and uh, a few friends that were on the trip with us. And basically Carmen, the matriarch of the family, sits in the corner with a notebook or, a, or a, an iPad now. She's Mm -hmm. hip, man. And she sits (laughs) in the corner with an iPad and and she takes down all of our cupping notes and all Mm -hmm. of our preferences.
1: Just say, John, what did you think about number one? What did you think about number two? That's so cute. Um, And she takes notes She goes around the whole room mm -hmm. and she
2: takes detailed notes of everything. And then um, we give our preferences to, to Carmen for what it is that we would like. But it's important to understand that while we're there, all of this coffee is still in that parchment phase the phase that you were taking the photos of the coffee, and it's not really finished and ready for export for another six or eight weeks. So there's no final determination of how much of each sample is going to be available for six weeks after we're there.
3: Because so it will
1: go through many well grading n- and quality sortings before the
3: final product. And I'm guessing... So you're saying that you're getting more of like a green product because it's still green or whatever. It's like six to eight weeks away from being ready. And also, when you're there tasting it, have they roasted it yes. for you? Yes. They in have a sample s- roaster in their, their cupping lab. lab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then it's it's like you're still going to get a different product. Prob- no, no.
2: No. So there's there's also an international um, guideline for sample roasting. Okay. Uh, and the laboratory and Carmen and Raphael's laboratory happens to be. Very in tune with the way that Sorry. we would run a cupping laboratory as well. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So they're very yeah, sim- So y-
3: basically, you roasting it in Ventura isn't going to be much different than the way they roasted it when you're visiting. We when, when
2: you buy coffee at Origin. Our job is to see the potential, right? And the and what we taste on the table at Origin is not how the coffee will taste when it comes out of our roaster. What they show us there is the recording studio equivalent of the really high-end monitor speakers that you have in the mixing room. And their job isn't to make what's being recorded sound beautiful. Their job is to expose all of the flaws for the person that's on the mixing board. That's what the goal of roasting is when we're at Origin. To, to hide nothing and to expose us to anything that might be wrong with the coffee and that really shows Jen and I then what the breadth and the potential of any given coffee is. So then we start taking 25 years worth of palettes and ideas and say, oh, okay, well, these coffees will rest, and when this stops being a little green, it's going to rest into this flavor profile based on our knowledge and history of how these coffees work. Genius. I love this. And so that's the idea. And it's a big disconnect between the way that we run our roasting protocol as a company and the way that a lot of new coffee companies coming up do run their roasting protocols. A lot of folks don't understand that a cupping roast isn't your job's not done yet. No. Your your job that was just that was just an evaluation of the quality of the coffee and the potential. It didn't your job now yeah. you have to that was
3: the beginning. That's, that's the first that's stage. Somebody nice. yeah. just like delivered you a bag
2: of flour. Now yeah. you have to, to actually bake. <laughs> bake a cake. <laughs> you don't just get to put the flour out and say, I'm done. I made it. Yeah. So
3: so Jen, you are saying that this third coffee has a specific Process. Can you talk mm-hmm. us through that?
1: So this is a new process that they've been experimenting with. Where? In El Salvador. In, okay, it? It at this farm. At, yes. At so at this is like
3: the only place in the world just happens to be your favorite place and the, your people.
1: So Carmen and Raphael's son, who is a little younger than John and I, has he's just moved back to the farm to, to learn the business. He's been there for several years now. but He's like really into um, new experimental and quite frankly exciting different processes Um, so this is a glazed process um, and the best way to describe this would be like it's a super honey so they actually super yeah so they actually barrel age the coffee in the parchment but when it's not not sorry not in the parchment (laughs) John's just looking at you like I mm, know. mm, mm, He's mm, like, mm. (laughs) I have a I have a side (laughs) question about the honey. When it's in, okay. Yes, we. I was gonna say we should actually back that up because we need to kind of explain. Let's talk about this honey. Okay.
2: Actually, let's start. I feel like John wants to. Let's start with washed coffee. Okay. 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 That's That's
0: Jen's favorite. I know the first one's her favorite. (laughs)
2: So, in a fully washed coffee, you take the seed out of the cherry and then you soak that cherry in water, in order to loosen up all of the mucilage sticky stuff, the flesh that wouldn't come off when you pulped the seed out of the cherry, okay? So in the first cup, what they did is they pulped like 75 or 80% of the flesh off of the cherry and then they soaked it in a little tiny bit of water for a really short amount of time to get the rest of the flesh off, semi-washed. In the second cup, that's a yellow honey So when they pulped the coffee, they left about 35 or 40% of the flesh on. And then when it came out of the pulper, no washing at all. It went directly out to a patio to dry. And that that mucilage, that sugary flesh of the fruit still being on the outside of the seed imparts body character and sweetness. Is that
3: what we're calling honey?
2: That's the honey, and oh, the, okay. And when we put a color in front of honey, that's it. That's really telling
1: so us. So there's actually I might, no honey in And, and so
3: the cherry, we're calling it coffee bean, a cherry.
2: No. Okay. The <laughs> coffee bean is the seed of the cherry. Okay. So. Um,
3: yep. Mm. Hmm.
2: Okay, okay. So the cherry comes off of the tree and it's about the size of a cranberry. Mm-hmm. And if you squeeze that, two seeds come out. Oh, two. That's why coffee beans are flat on one side.
3: Oh, cuteness. Right. Okay. Yeah.
2: And sometimes like that seed does not it. dichotomize and you end up with a pea berry.
0: I had no idea. I'm mad about this. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm working through some stuff right okay. now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: so when we talk about <laughs> when we talk about honey processed coffee what we're talking about is some level of flesh from the coffee cherry that was left on the coffee seed all the way through the drying process. And at Beacon, what we're trying to educate people on is that the darker the color in front of the word honey the more flesh was left on the So seed. the
0: more sweetness mm, and body. The more character. Let's
2: just
1: okay.
0: say
2: in general. On the label? The more yeah, character. Yeah,
1: like on the, so p- on the bag. So, yeah, so we you might a see yellow honey, red honey, black, black honey.
0: honey. So black honey has more character than yellow honey.
2: It would impart more character. And is
0: that the third one?
2: No. Oh. The third one is the glaze, which is a altogether different. So okay. the second <laughs> cup is yellow. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. The second cup is yellow honey. So instead of calling them yellow, red, and black, we could also say a black honey, we just took the skin off.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: A red honey, we only took 20% of the flesh off. A yellow honey, we took 40 or 50 or 60% of the flesh off. A semi-washed coffee, we went all the way down to 10% of the flesh, but we didn't damage the coffee with the, with the, with the pulper. Um, and then with the glaze, what they did is they set the pulper up to about the same as a yellow honey, Mm -hmm. but they pulped that and all of the sticky juice that might come off of any fruit, right? All of that got pulped into a steel barrel and that got aged for 24 hours anaerobically, meaning that. They pulped everything in there, and they let the whole thing just fill up with seeds and all of the mucilage and all the sticky sweetness, and they put a lid on it with an airlock on it, and they let it sit for 24 hours. Right, so anaerobically means, like, no air, no oxygen. Yeah, they just allowed it to not be open to the air. And they let it sit for 24 or 48 hours, and then they just poured that whole sticky, gooey mess out onto these raised drying screens. They're called African beds. Um, and for those of us up here in the States, just imagine a small raised bed for a garden, but the bottom right. mm-hmm. of that bed being made out of shade cloth so that it breathes and it's up on stilts. So
0: is that why this tastes like chocolate covered raisins to yes. me? Mm-hmm. Like kind of a dried fruit, but all there's, it's an I, it's a bittered sweetness though. Mm-hmm. It's it not like a yeah. unctuous sweetness. Right. It's mm-hmm. like dark chocolate mm-hmm. almost
1: and like a black honey or a natural a natural is when all of the fruit is left on and it literally just goes out to dry and it gets all wrinkly like a raisin and then they and just it just dry imparts hard. all of that fruit wow. funky fruit flavor into the seed um so you can definitely taste that in a natural Those are the coffee mm-hmm. that
2: taste like strawberries and ra- raspberries and blueberries
1: i've never had one can we go back jen
0: the first one is your favorite isn't it
1: it's not, actually. No. Oh I <laughs> was going to say, I think she's really excited about the glaze. I am really excited about the glaze. But yeah. um, I like really sweet, round, balanced coffees. I think all three of these are, are that. But I'm I'm kind of in between the yellow honey and the glaze. Oh, oh yellow honey's like everything I, to I me. thought
0: you'd like this one because I think, uh, to me, out of the three,
1: it has the most
0: brightness. Like, it's the most, like, lifted. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? No, you're not. Okay. It
2: definitely, because it had less... Um, it's closer to a washed coffee Mm -hmm. and the closer we get to the washed process the more we are removing anything from the true expression of the coffee Mm -hmm. and given that this is a bourbon which is already a dense seed grown at really high altitude Mm -hmm. and it's almost a washed coffee Mm -hmm. we would certainly expect it to have a higher perceivable acidity The other coffees have acidity in there (laughs) because they're really the same raw product, Mm -hmm. but they have a sweetness that through the processing of the honey or the glazed process Mm -hmm. is now elevating the sweetness to be more in balance with the acidity. Um, I think the middle cup on the table is probably the most balanced cup on the Obsessed table. Obsessed with
3: it. Mm. Obsessed. It's um, just I want a this really coffee solid. every single day for the rest of my life. Can I just pick it up life. and drink it now?
0: No. So we're almost <laughs> okay. <laughs> only because we're, <laughs> <almost there. laughs> we're in big trouble.
2: <laughs> we're almost there. That's how George would do it.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm just like ready to like down Who's George? Down it. Well,
1: the <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> Got it. His his coffee god, George <laughs> Howell. Um, I actually, we did forget to tell you not to like, just keep your spoon at the top because there's a yeah bunch I definitely of kicked finds. a bunch of fun stuff up and when yeah. I was drinking and I was like oh
3: okay cool <laughs> cool 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 you're, you're like, chewing you're like, on your coffee I was like yum got <laughs> <laughs> some texture it's cow- like right. we said
1: cowboy like, right drudging it up from the <laughs> bottom so yeah you like, never want to like just like have a go right in <laughs> yeah big smile full
3: of coffee grounds <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you probably noticed as the coffee started to cool that you were able to probably differentiate a little bit more yes. between yes. the coffees. Because when, it, when it's really hard, hot, sometimes it's, you know, it's hard to, to, to differentiate, especially since the coffees are from the same farm, same varietal. Um, we, didn't, and we didn't put coffees on the table that are so vastly different. Um, so when it does start to cool, I feel like you can and that taste them a little bit.
2: It brings up a really good point. Um, please stop treating coffee like it's a commuter beverage. <laughs> Please stop putting it in cups that hold it at 200 degrees for Oh my god, we have a hours. thermos.
3: My boyfriend and I use a thermos all the time that we like joke about because if you put hot coffee in this thermos, it stays boiling hot for like 12 hours. He <laughs> opened it like 8 hours after I gave it to him and he still couldn't drink it and I was like that is disgusting <laughs> well there was a
2: whole that, like there was a whole thing uh, uh, Can't thermos or somebody like that a few years back they released a new hot thing maybe it was stanley i don't remember and they i couldn't believe it they paired up with these they paired up with like stump town and blue bottle yeah
3: but we've already decided that we're mad at them
1: but
2: <laughs> they so here's what <laughs> so they it's did okay. so they they filmed the whole thing as a marketing thing and they they went to the trouble of, of making like siphon pots, which is the most laborious way you can make a cup of coffee. But and also so it's, it's beautiful, so and they did all this right, and they and then they put it in their Stanley, and then they overnighted it to their to their roasting plant in North Carolina, and then they filmed them opening it the next day and, and taking a temperature it's like reading stimming. and drink you know and pouring it out and drinking it, and I'm like, that cup of coffee sucked before it ever left the <laughs> like before yeah. you even got it in the box. Do
3: you feel like a bunch of people in the coffee industry were like, what are you guys doing? Or was it a lot of us?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Were you like laughing? Yeah. But a lot of us also sell more milk than coffee. Why don't
1: you talk about why the coffee doesn't taste good after 28 minutes?
2: Oh, right before we started the broadcast, Facts. right before we started the broadcast, (laughs) I poured um, the
1: broadcast, the The broadcast podcast. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry.
3: We're on live radio. (laughs) I wish it'd be fun. (laughs) Um,
2: I poured hot water over the coffee grounds and yes, that's just, we're steeping, we're brewing coffee there. But brewing coffee really is a, it's a chemistry experiment every time. And what you're doing is you're, you're putting a long chain of organic acids in solution. And it's those organic acids that make coffee taste the way that it does. Um, those, those acids start to break apart about eight to 10 minutes into uh, the brewing. And they start to form all of the wonderful things that we tasted as the coffee cooled. But it's important to know this would happen whether the coffee was changing temperature or not. This breaking apart of the of the acid—it's happening. Yeah, it's no. a half-life issue that we can't <laughs> that we can't speed up or slow down based on putting it into a fifty-five-dollar travel <laughs> thermos, uh, right? And so um, it's not
3: about just keeping it hot. We've Which I think a lot of people think We
2: about have fooled ourselves into believing that hot equals fresh. And when it comes to coffee, that simply isn't isn't the case.
3: Fresh is within 28 minutes. Well, yeah, that's right. That's the half-life like.
2: of the organic acids break down. And at about the 28, 29-minute mark, those acids start to reform into other compounds.
0: So what's wrong with me? Why do I like diner coffee that's been sitting in the pot for a couple hours <laughs> and is probably burnt? What's, do I have a mental disorder? No, it's just what you're used to, do maybe.
3: Do you like
2: chocolate that has a... Cocoa content of over seventy five percent on a regular basis I too? Don't know.
3: She likes chocolate.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I just I don't know why. Maybe it's just nostalgic for me. Maybe that's what it is. It's like a familiar
3: taste. You know, it's is like Is
2: this also the only time that you imbibe in nicotine? Because that would make some <laughs> sense.
0: I do <laughs> love
3: too You don't have to admit too. that.
0: Yeah. No, no, I don't smoke. No. I, no, <laughs> no Oh.
2: Okay.
0: Sorry, I was kind of I was like still lost in another. You're like, you're of like
2: another no, no, I only use the jewel.
0: Melissa, <laughs> what's your favorite? Um, for Jewel. me, <laughs> sorry, I, l- I <laughs> like the good. last one, the best mm. personally, the one that has the, uh, what was it called? The, the glaze. The Can mm-hmm.
3: I be the yellow honey brand ambassador? Cause I'm obsessed with this coffee right now.
1: Yeah. It's just a solid cup of coffee. I feel like this is a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Um, oh, for
3: sure. It's not super bitter. Am I right about no. that? No, it's, no, really it's really sweet, sweet and it's really
2: sweet. Yeah.
1: And, round. and I feel it's like sometimes balanced.
3: people have the wrong idea about. Specialty coffee or a high grade coffee when I talk to people about it, especially when I was like, Oh, we recorded with Beacon and we got to drink their coffee and it was amazing. And they're like, Oh, is it super bitter? And I'm like, No, it wasn't. And like, this isn't. And right. I don't know if people are just have a different idea about so it let's or just
2: revisit that conversation about cupping roast versus versus a cup of coffee, roast, right? And this disconnect when people think of new third. I'm putting air quotes, um, air quotes third wave coffee <laughs> roasters, you know, the new generation of coffee roasters. There are a lot of folks out there that, you know, they have the money to start a coffee company and they they the colors look the same as what other people are doing, but um, they're not they're not matching the actual sugar development, the roast development, the technique and um, there's a lot of coffee companies turning out coffee that the farmer did everything right on and they're just ah, ruining and the right roaster.
3: they're screwing it up yeah. that's rude good to know that is rude super rude
0: are <laughs> <Or> the farmers <laughs> just like gosh darn it they
3: probably have no <laughs> clue
0: the farmers
2: are they they
3: like we sold our coffee great. we, we We're made our money to the next yeah. step like we don't have time to focus i don't care they just buy it
2: i can tell you that the that that the that the coffee farmers are they are they are concerned about far more important things than than then what how people are screwing, screwing it up. What pair mm-hmm. of skinny jeans the barista is gonna wear <laughs> this morning.
3: <laughs> I did want to. Um, fasci- sometimes it is fashion mm-hmm. out there in the coffee world.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man buns. Yeah. Facial hair. Mm-hmm. What were you gonna say, John? Sorry. I know it, when we were talking about like the 28 minute life of coffee. That's one of the main reasons why we brew every cup to order in both of our cafes. Yes. And I think. Um, you know, some of our customers, when they first come in, they're like, oh, I got to wait, you know, three or four minutes for that coffee. But the intention is so that you have that full amount of time to thoroughly enjoy the coffee when it's tasting its best. It's not sitting in a carafe on the back counter for drip coffee, mm-hmm. no batch drip. brew or yeah. whatever you want to call it. Um, so on that everything note,
0: though, for like events, would you ever do, you know how Starbucks has
1: those, those, Oh, we yeah, actually don't just do that you don't so oh. we do if we if we're gonna do an event and we do only do a handful it's mostly um see the french press is down there yeah it's um it's usually for you know fundraising dinners and things and you know and and i was community. gonna say didn't you just
3: do something recently we
1: did yeah we did the dinner uh the field to fork dinner which is um raises money for um house farm workers so housing for farm workers here mm-hmm. in the county you know jen i don't agree with that <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> so it's also it raises money for uh scholarships for farm workers kids um, that's amazing college that's so awesome. it's yeah. really rad and something that we feel uh really strongly about and are involved in um yeah, we so struggle. for we a do really fr- long time yeah.
2: because everybody wants us to do oh k- of course k- this, yeah they do this, they k- want k- like this, a java k- box to k- go I just, can i yeah can i get a bladder of coffee to go. <laughs> yeah. um, so we don't. We use a propane burner set up with 15 uh, gallon mash ton stainless steel that you would use to make mm-hmm. beer. That we boil the water in. And we boil, yeah, we boil 15 gallons of, of um, mineral corrected water, mm-hmm. just like we were in our cafes. And we have 20, 44 ounce. stainless steel French presses presses. Um, so we do French press service amazing Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. I have three final questions yeah yeah yeah. because we're gonna wrap this up sure um first question John and Jen what are your favorite methods of coffee like what is your favorite like French press is it
1: so I only only know that one so at home I kind of go in between um a V60 and a Kalita those are my two favorite V60 and Kalita so um those are both pour over methods okay utilizing a paper filter Um, I Mm -hmm. That's
2: actually a Kalita filter up there behind the Yeah, well that,
1: okay, so those are Chemex Same thing, you can use either paper You can use a metal filter as well We use Chemex with a metal uh, Reusable filter in both of our cafes Um, And With a metal filter you get a little bit More body and more of the oils of the coffee In the paper filter you get a, A cleaner A cleaner cup so, when when we're, you know, when I'm brewing, like, a Pacamara, which is, like, super bright and juicy, and I want to be able to taste all of that, so I use a paper filter at home. But I I go in between a Kalita and a B60. And cool. mm-hmm. John? John, what's your favorite?
2: Uh, my favorite all-time method for brewing coffee would be uh, a vacuum pot.
3: A vacuum pot. Mm-hmm. A siphon. Explain yourself. Yeah, what the heck. Siphon.
2: Um, so, it's... Uh, it it's two glass bulbs that sit on top of one another, ostensibly. Okay, lead. yeah, I've you seen this. You introduce heat bu- under the bottom bulb that has the water in it, and the bon- uh, the top bulb actually sits in... in It's seated into the top in such a way that it's, it's a sealed chamber between the bottom and the top. Very so cool. So you put your coffee in the top. Uh, the water boils in a sealed chamber on the bottom, which creates tiny one bar of pressure (laughs) and it forces the water. It has to go somewhere because it's boiling so the head pressure in the bottom bulb forces the water up through a down tube Mm. into the top and then you've the is, the p- is that
0: how um Oh, I use a percolator, percolator
3: right now, which makes one cup of coffee at a time, which is a real pain in the ass because my roommate just moved out and she had the french press and I you know It's
2: also just cuz you're boiling. You'd be better off just making your coffee like this.
3: I did the other day. Yeah. It was a, it just was strain an ex- it. it was a whole thing. Just make
2: it like this and then just strain it off. <laughs> yeah. Um cuz the percolator it it you're just continually boiling yeah, the Yeah, it coffee.
3: was boiled mud. Mm. But caffeine Okay, okay. okay next question is mm-hmm. so you have educational cupping classes if mm-hmm. somebody purchases a ticket to that workshop can you just real quick like lay it out what happens they show up who's teaching well what's we actually situation? do a whole
1: series of coffee education classes cool. so um, we usually bookend them with a cupping class with john and we do feature different coffees each one so you could go to a cupping class you know at the beginning and one at the end and it's going to be a completely different experience because it's gonna be different coffees john's talking about different things we also do a pour over class mm. um so no andrew i, I need walks to do that you one through different different methods of pour over gives you tips and tricks and kind of like really helps you dial that in and then we also do a brewing fundamentals class so we talk about extraction and why grind size is so important uh water temperature um so that's really good for folks that are brewing in multiple ways at home to yeah. kind of dial that and in. if
3: they're buying your amazing beans it's like come learn how to do it right so that you can taste all of like what we're talking about and what why we love
1: the beans yeah which and is w- great and we have our we have a coffee club we call the coffee collective yes um, it's a subscription um, and so all of our members can attend any of the classes for free because we want to make sure that they're getting the most out of the coffee so we do have um, a learn uh, we have a page on the website uh, learn so all of the classes are listed there. Uh, we just finished the last of this most recent series yesterday, and we'll be announcing classes soon um, to resume again this fall.
3: That's incredible, and the yeah. fact that you two are there as resources because like I'm just over here like Melissa and I probably have like the biggest like coffee boners right now ever because like <laughs> we're both super into wine and like the way you're talking about coffee is just so like scientific and interesting. And then that the fact that if they go to one of these workshops like you're there because we're lucky to be in the room with you, but the fact that you're also offering yourself to people in these classes is incredible. Like go to these classes if you're into coffee because John and Jen are just like encyclopedias. It's really, really cool.
1: And yeah, John really gets into it. We fully encourage as many questions as possible because the yeah, conversations we would be are that happen happen. Your worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, we a are class. a nightmare.
2: <laughs> no, we I, when we schedule cupping classes, we schedule them three hours apart. So that Good. if it goes for Good two and a half hours, it goes for two mm-hmm. and a half hours. That's mm-hmm. the way it
3: goes. Amazing. Yeah. And then my third and final question that I wanted to close with is from, from both of you. If you want, if you just wanted someone to take away something from our conversation today, like what is your like big take home for them about coffee? This is a hard
0: one on the spot. I'm sorry. Yeah. And you have 15 seconds.
1: I think, <laughs> I think, um, I think what's really important is if you, you know, especially for folks that want to know like more about where their food comes from. Like, know where your coffee comes from, too. I think that's just as important as, like, your wine and your beer. Um, supporting local business. S- supporting small business. Um, because we are, we're supporting small farms. And there's a lot of transparency there um, through the whole, you know, I don't know. Yeah, why that
3: felt like one of the most important things <coughs> when we recorded with you last time was, like, whoa. There's this huge, huge business of things that people, people drink coffee daily without... Mm -hmm. even questioning it, Mm -hmm. but people are starting to focus on their food and alcohol. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like the whole picture. Mm -hmm. It's like, look at your beverages too, like your non-alcoholic beverages too. And
1: there, yeah, there isn't a a ton of accountability in our industry, unfortunately. Um, But I think there's something to be said to like, you know, our customers seeing us having conversations with us um, and us being able to actually have real conversations about what's happening Uh, down on the coffee farms and um, you know the positives and the negatives of that and you know I think people really do care so yeah cool yeah
2: I think the biggest thing that um, is important for everybody to understand and it's especially important with coffee given what's happening we are living through a global coffee crisis right now Um, coffee prices have plunged on the commodities market At a time when global climate change is shrinking the appropriate areas in the world where one can Mm. grow world-class coffee, so that's like that's a double that's a double punch Mm -hmm. to the industry. Uh, I think if we just wanted to boil it down, if you just like if my soundbite is the only way through the global coffee crisis and the only way through our food and nutrition crisis that we have in our own country right now is quality, quality over quantity. Farmers should be able to grow world-class things and grow less of it and focus on very high quality and and be be paid for that quality. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's coffee or wine or distilled beverages. Um, quality speaks and we don't have any problem in those other industries paying for quality. Well,
3: if you think about it too, Starbucks is getting rich. Those yeah. farmers that Starbucks is buying their coffee beans are not, are not getting rich. Yeah. That is that is like the biggest issue disconnect right there. Well, mm-hmm. y- is that yeah. people in America can get rich off a of product that people are losing money on making for us?
2: It's also that the coffee industry is currently in the middle of a gigantic uh, multinational consolidation game that's happening yeah, we and about that all bit of last the g- mm-hmm. all of the companies many of the I should not say all, many of the companies that folks all over the western seaboard and in the Midwest grew up with as their independent proud hometown representative coffee companies are now owned by a foreign company a foreign country. right
3: yeah we talked about you that know,
2: and so um, all of that consolidation, will lead to a squeeze on the people in the industry Mm -hmm. that ultimately get to decide whether we have one or not. And if you push farmers to grow at a loss for long enough, they'll just plant bananas.
3: Yep. Okay. Pay attention people. That's what, that's what I'm hearing.
1: Have conversations with the people that you're buying your products from. I think that's really important. Ask questions. And Mm -hmm. we learned
3: that from Josh DeKell. He was like, if you go to the farmer's market, you're allowed to ask them questions and they grace grace said that too like Mm -hmm. they almost they're ready they're ready to talk about it they legally have to and (laughs) they want (laughs) to talk about well they do yeah they do so they want
1: to have those conversations so ask questions Mm -hmm. and get
3: to know these people that are in our community because it's easy they make it too easy yeah so thank you so much this was awesome and john
0: such a pleasure thank you so much for doing this this is so educational and amazing and i'm we love you guys i'm hyped (laughs) on Kathy. oh yeah i'm i'm ready (laughs) i'm terrified (laughs) of how stephanie's gonna be for the rest
3: of the day (laughs) all right thank you all right bye -bye. Bye. bye